Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In this episode, we'll be discussing Chapter 3 of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Our aim was to get further than Chapter 3, but unfortunately both me and Charlie got drunk and emotional. So we discussed one chapter in great length with great banter. Hopefully. Hopefully. So we hope you enjoy this episode. So jumping straight into it. Charlie, what are you drinking today? I am drinking raspberry flavoured vodka. And I, in the true spirit of this podcast, am drinking wine. Um, in future we will endeavour to drink the same thing, especially when really? we especially when we set up a Patreon to pay for our alcohol. Yeah, so if anyone is ever gonna listen to this, we have a genius idea where we have a Patreon and if you give us money to fund the alcohol then you get to pick what alcohol we drink. As sky's well as getting bonus content. Sky's the limit. Yeah. Combinations. Yeah, like you can pick you can pick us the worst thing and we'll drink the same thing. But at yeah. the moment, we have to drink what we both have in the back of our cupboards because we're both poor. So I'm drinking wine my mum bought me when she came to stay as payment for her coming to stay. And I'm drinking raspberry vodka that was on offer. Yeah, but what you are drinking it out of is a Harry Potter goblet that I've it, given you. It literally is, and it's on a Slytherin match thing. So we are starting off with chapter three, the letters from no one. So it's now the summer holidays, and the first thing I notice is Harry talks about primary school. Isn't it weird to think of Harry in a normal school? It is, yeah. I think it's... It's weird to think of any wizard in a normal school because yeah. this is never really clarified. Yeah. Did Ron just go to a normal normal? I assumed school? he was raised at home because Mrs. Weasley doesn't work. But, but then if like, two parents have to work for money, I mean, maybe we're thinking of this from an attitude of a time period where both parents have to work. We're thinking of like, we've never heard of two wizarding parents working and therefore what happens to the children. Yeah, but and we know that in general... Sorry, I interrupt, no, interrupted no, you, but we know that in general the wizarding world is quite behind compared to the muggle one so that's why i'm thinking it's quite archaic for the women stay home to work yeah they're very much in like a patriarchal yeah. family system and i think we'll definitely talk about this more as the books go on and become more kind of um like progressive and talk about deeper subjects but actually family unit wise we don't hear of many women working like immediately amelia bones came to my head but that's a very minor character Umbridge. Yeah, the I mean, teachers, yeah. but the teachers are all um, husbandless, childless oh, women. My future. I mean, we'll definitely talk about this as, as it goes on, but I am really interested in the way, like, because J.K. Rowling is a feminist, and, like, the, it is set up in a kind of... Because she says that magic takes away the need for men to be um, kind of more successful than women because it takes away a need for physical power. But the one family structure we see, the woman doesn't work. Which is amazing as a choice because Mrs. Weasley is making a choice. But if there's no standardised primary school for wizard children, what happens when both parents need to work? Yeah, I think, yeah, because I think it's safe to assume that they're homeschooled. But then how does that work? Like I've always been really irritated by how do they pick up basic things like math, which regardless of whether mm. you're a wizard or a muggle, you need to know basically, you know, yeah. things like potions and 
What's the other one? Um, <laughs> oh, um, the one behind it, arithmancy, is yeah, maths. It's maths. Exactly. So you need to know, like, even a bit more than the basic principles. Um, so that irritates me. Does it just get kind of passed down between wizards or do some go to primary? Uh, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, is there a standardised wizarding you primary school that they don't or muggle studies wouldn't be a thing, basically? Yeah, like, and I assume that there's a lot of wizarding families who would find it extremely offensive if their child were suggested to go to a muggle primary school, but there doesn't... Yeah, like, sure as shit, Draco didn't. Yeah, but Ron doesn't know any of the other pupils, so there's obviously no wizarding primary school. It's just, it's just a really interesting thing to think about, and I think it's the kind of thing where J.K. Rowling started the series without ever thinking about it, and then it became an yeah. issue. You know, it could have been a one-off, like, small book not expanded on. In the end, it ended up with all this world building. Yeah. I have literally written down, sick burn from Harry to Dudley. That this is about the toilet thing. That's my first note. Yay! My first note is the poor toilets never had anything as disgusting as your head down it. Harry is a savage. That is sassy AF. Oh like, my God. I can think of that could have come back now. So yeah. for an 11, 10 year old, he's 10. Harry is consistently a savage though. Yeah. And this is the first, like this is why I wrote it down, not just because it's a sick burn, but this is the first time that we see yeah. Harry being an absolute savage. savage. And he just gets more savage as the books go on. And this is something the films completely cut out, his yeah. savagery. And we will get to some of the lines in later books, which oh. had me cry laughing. There's no need to call me professor. <laughs> There's no need to call me sir professor. <laughs> like literally the sickest burn. Oh. Uh, we will get Harry to that. Goals. <laughs> the toilet has never had anything as horrible as your head down it. It might be sick. It's just so quick. Could you come up with that as a ten year old? No. Because I can. I'd be like, and <laughs> even if I could, it would take me about five days of yeah. not brainstorming. So sick burn, Harry. Thank you. Um, next, I have a note, and you can interrupt me if I'm moving further ahead than you. Um, I have a note about du uh, Dudley is being sent to a private school, whereas mm. Harry is being sent to the local comprehensive. Um, obviously, many, many people are sent to their local comprehensive. That is how um, most schools work in England. You're sent to your local comprehensive. Um, but I think it's quite an interesting like, look into the Dursley's life, because... Based on where they live, they are lower middle class. Now, I don't want to offend anyone by saying this. I am going off traditional English class systems, which are archaic and no longer relevant. Yeah. But if I had to put them in one, they are lower middle class. Okay. Um, therefore, them sending him to a private school is kind of them... It's uh, one working parent. I don't know if he owns Grunnings. I think he just works for Grunnings. He does. He's a director. Okay, he's a director. So they aren't spending above their means. But they like to think they are higher up in life than maybe they are. And I'm saying this very in terms of the archaic English class system. I'm yeah. not saying this in terms of people can't send their kids to private school if they're not um, upper class. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that they want the best for their child, even that, even if that does mean spending a huge amount on private yeah. schools. So this is interesting because I actually didn't make notes on this, mm. even though I had a lot of thoughts rereading it mm. and have in the past as well. Mm. And I just want to put a disclaimer here. This, what I'm about to say, I'm, I'm speaking to the rules that we have about in class in England, mm. which are not actually accurate, but no. we very much have. Um, Things that are seen as lower class, things that are seen 
Lower means working. We should working. say working class. Lower working class, mm. things that are seen as middle class and things that are seen as upper class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the way that the class is signalled with the Dursleys mm. has always been incredibly mixed. Mm, yes, um, no, it is. Things, for instance, like the obesity. That is yes. something that is always very signalled. Obviously, this is not something I agree with or think. Oh, accurate, no, no, definitely. But obesity in England is signalled as something working class. Yeah, which is, by the way, wrong, completely wrong. wrong. And if any listeners are listening from around the world, we are not saying this is the correct way to view it. We are just saying the typical, stereotypical, archaic view in England is that if you are obese, you're working class. Yeah, and it's wrong, but we're, we're purely talking about kind of like stereotypes and signalling. And yeah, Petunia exactly. being very gossipy mm. and nosy, that's that's signalled as working class. Obesity is signalled as working class. Having a naughty child is signalled as working oh, class. Yeah. However, going to a private school, that's signalled as upper middle class. Upper middle class, yeah. Uh, to me, it reads as the Dursleys came from families of working class people and they've managed to get into what it signals as the middle class and they still feel very like oh we're trying to fit in because they're very people who want to fit in and therefore for them sending Dudley to a private school is a status symbol yeah and I think that's more than wanting and to get a good education yeah it's a status symbol it is and I I can definitely think of families like that growing up Mm. who come from a working class background Mm. and strive for more and spend beyond their means and focus their spending on things that are outwardly flashy Mm. as opposed to reality and there's nothing wrong with that spend your money as you wish oh but yeah I think there's always been incredibly mixed signaling in her writing as to what class the Dursleys are yes um you know they live in Surrey he's a director at a company Dursley goes to private school but then there's a lot that they also she also writes that is associated with being working class. Yeah. Um, so it's just like that, you know, there's nothing wrong or right either way, but it's just always incredibly mixed and it's really interesting. And I definitely see it as potentially like a very like kind of new money thing. Oh, yeah, I see it as a new money thing. Yeah, like spending potentially beyond their means, um, choosing their spending. You know, we never ref see them as going on a summer holiday you know we know that harry has spent the occasional days with what's the squid's name i think they mentioned that he has spent weeks there when they wanted to go on a holiday but it's not kind of explicitly said that like they're like long periods of time i could be remembering that wrong yeah but there's definitely mentions of cars as a status symbol yeah and we will we will come back to this when it's explicitly said that cars are a status symbol because i know there are chapters which more explicitly say that but for cars to be a status symbol for me it's trying to prove yourself in a certain category yeah and yeah i want to say the reason that me and hannah are discussing this is that is because it's interesting from a writing and literature point of view We don't give a shit what class the Dursley are, Dursleys are, no, quite no, frankly. not at all. But it, it is interesting and it has bearing. Yeah. And we will also, at, in later episodes, go more into their obesity and fatness and how that's portrayed in the books. Because in the first books, it's cartoonish. But later on, it becomes quite offensive. Mm. Um, and we will go into that more in later episodes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely coded as obesity, it's as bad. parallel to villainry. Yes, 100%. And we will delve into that more. But we've got another long tangent. We so, have. So, um, letters 
start arriving. So the first letter yes. arrives in just the regular post. And this is the bit that grinds my gears no end. <laughs> Harry, 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 my dear. You know what the Dursies are like. You have lived with them for 10 years. Why didn't you put that fucking letter in your cupboard to read later? He's 11 years old. He's 10. He's never 10. Mm. Even worse. He's never had a letter before. He doesn't know what it's about. Yeah. And, like, why would you? Like, no, why, I know. Why I did you write, think? Like, he so... probably thinks he's got a library card or something. Yeah, I did write. He's so shocked he's being stupid. Yeah. He, he, he isn't thinking it through. Yeah, like, I, I don't... Like, we think that in hindsight, but I think if you've got a letter, I don't know why you would think to hide it. But like, I'm more like... They can't possibly tell uh, muggle-born students... That they're wizards. No, so why did they try with Harry? So no, because Dumbledore says he explained everything in the letter, and he expected. This is one of Dumbledore's main oversights. He expected Petunia to tell him everything, whereas the Muggleborns, it's hinted that a teacher comes around and explains it. They must do. So I assume McGonagall goes round. I assume it's mostly McGonagall. I very much assume that. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if it's Snape. Lol. I very much assume McGonagall went around to Hermione's house and explained everything, and I would love J.K. Rowling to write that. Like, I, there's a lot of things I don't want her to write because I don't want her to ruin the series. But there's some things that don't relate to the plot where I just want her to write it. And a chapter of McGonagall. I want to see it acted. Oh, do you? By the originals. By the original actors. McGonagall explaining to Hermione's parents that she's a witch would be like an amazing scene. Um, but yeah, it was a massive oversight on Dumbledore's part that Petunia would explain it. Yeah, and I'm not sure that I'd buy that it was an oversight. Honestly, like, do we not just think that maybe Dumbledore just wanted to cause a bit of drama? Well, I have this later on about the drama of the letters, so yeah. then moving on. Um, but hang on, hang on. Oh no, go, go, go. I have a really cute point. Okay. Okay, so like, you know how everyone wanted to receive their Hogwarts letter when they turned 11? Uh, I have a story to tell about this, yes. Do you remember how much it killed you? Oh my god, that summer, I, you can tell your story after me, I'm sure you have a story, but so, there's people that say the letter arrived on your 11th birthday, oh no, 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 it arrives in the summer. And I remember sitting on a swing in my, in, so I had a park backing onto my garden, and um, I had a gate that went into the park, so I used to go there a lot, um, and I remember sitting on the swing, and it was around probably um, mid-July, um, in between primary school and secondary school. I was really nervous about going to secondary school. I was only going with a couple of friends from my area. And I remember just sitting on the swing and thinking, I know it's not going to happen. Hannah, you're 11. <laughs> like, you know it's not going to happen at this point. You're old enough to know this isn't going to happen. But a little part of my brain, oh. a tiny little part, just thought, I just want it. I just need it. I just want the letter. I yeah. just want a letter. I think my brain was like, I know I'm not going to get a Hogwarts letter, mm. but I mean, like the context of the time, like, you know, I, I was recently had known that I was dyslexic. I, mm. I was, you know, progressing at the time when I was 11 with my reading and writing, but I was incredibly unpopular in primary school. Um, and I wasn't good in my classes and I just wanted something Desperately, anything, your own. Like anything good to change. At. I was like, and I knew that I wouldn't get a Hogwarts letter. Obviously, I knew, but for some reason, I was like, well, if anything's ever going to happen, it will happen between 
primary school and high school, which is such a damn ass way of thinking. Oh like, yeah, 100%. But... Yeah, but like for some reason I just thought it would happen then, partly because of Harry Potter, partly because it was just changing and I was like, high school is a fresh start, no, I'd still be obnoxious, annoying fuck. Yeah, like so yours makes mine seem less impressive, but anyway, so... No, 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 it doesn't. Yeah, so I, well, I think this was either my first or second year of university, and my mum used to occasionally send us care packages just mm. full of like, you know, food and snacks. And oh, like yeah, yeah. Cute things. And one day she like messaged me and my sister and she was like, has the post come yet? And we're like, no. And the next day she's like, has the post come yet? And we're like, no. What are you, like, what are you on about? I yeah. just thought like, oh, she sent us a care package or like a yeah, letter yeah. or something like she used to do it all the time. And then like after like a few days, I got the post. She'd used some website and she'd sent us like a whole girl's letter. And this was university for any non-British viewers. Uh, second or first year, I would have been 19 or 20. Aww. And she literally, rather than even just sending it herself, she had paid on some website out of nowhere. Like, just out of nowhere. Like, she That's must have just looked it up thing. or seen it somewhere and sent both me and my sister Hogwarts letters when we were, like, 19 or 20 years old. And I think I, like, cried. Yeah, that is the sweetest thing. <laughs> oh, it's just so cute because the site was clearly meant for 11-year-olds. <laughs> I don't care. That's the sweetest thing. It's so cute. I think I kept it. I think I, I should have bought it. I didn't think. So, okay. Harry and Del Dudley listen through the door. They do, yes. And Vernon says an important line that I oh, really want to talk about. Yeah, please do, please do. Um, he says, we'll stamp out that dangerous nonsense. Mm. Okay. Can you guess where I'm going with this? So he says, in the context, he says, we swore when we took him in, we'd stamp out that dangerous nonsense. It's yes. homophobic. Reading this as a bisexual woman, like, mm -hmm. it's, like, this line was so clear to me that this, the whole stamp it out thing, it really does seem like a metaphor, which we know that J.K. Rowling uses for when people try and stamp out the gayness and have all the kind of, like, you know, gay conversion therapy mm. camps and classes and stuff like that. Yeah, and like throughout the book she's using metaphors for a lot of different situations. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, because you didn't read it this way... No, so, yeah, like, I completely glossed over this line um, as, like, a relatively straight person. I believe in this Kinsey scale, but like as a relatively straight person, I completely glossed over this line, but you, you know, as a different sexual orientation, yeah, saw this in a different interpretation, which is amazing. Like that's what reading's all about, like interpreting things in different ways. Yeah. And you know, I have read and listened to an audio book, book Harry Potter so many times mm. since a child, but this is the first time where I have paid attention, I would say, since be since my childhood reading Harry Potter has been through audiobooks when I've been struggling to sleep. This is the first time I properly have read it in moments where it's anything more than like anxiety needing to read it. Yeah, you're reading um, it in a different way. So this is my first proper reading in adulthood and I couldn't read this line in any other way. Mm -hmm. um, to my knowledge of what JK Rowling has ever made public, she is straight. I don't know if that's a reality to what I know or a reality to what she's made public, but to my knowledge, she is straight. Yeah. So I don't know if this is intended as a metaphor or not, because to me, if if you assume as a straight reader that this line is nothing, then maybe she didn't mean it as a metaphor. No, but the way it's fr the phrasing of it is very specific. It's not just like when we swore when we took him in. 
he would never deal with that magic nonsense. It's when we swore to put when we'd stamp it. It's the word stamp it out. It's and like nonsense. Getting, yeah, and it's like getting rid of something that is is integral to someone's person. Getting rid of something yeah. which they cannot help, which they are that they can't change. Which they can't change, exactly. And yeah. it's it's a very stamp it out is very it's quite an aggressive line. Yeah. And yeah, it is very reminiscent of things we've the you know I've only seen in necessarily the media or things I've heard from friends who are gay or bisexual and things like that of of things they've heard. Yeah, yeah, but and it's a really good reading. Yeah, for me there was literally no other way to ever read this line, mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure other people feel the same. Yeah, and to me this is like potentially one of the most upsetting lines in the entire series. Like yeah. honestly, reading this for the first time and. And I'm sure we and, might find more as you go along, like rereading it as an yeah. adult in this it's in this mindset. And this is interesting that you've come across this, and it'll be interesting to see what other lines like you or I come across as and interpret in that sort of way. Yeah. But yeah, I can see why that's a really, really upsetting line. Now you've it said is. it, I totally view it in that way. It is because you know, I mean, obviously, like, well, not obviously, but for readers, like, I'm very lucky. My parents, you know, would never try and make me go through conversion therapy. But you know, I've read. And it's not the same as experiencing it. I've read accounts of people mm. that have and being able to sympathise to them because I'm bisexual. So to read this, you can kind of imagine as a bisexual person more than you can as a straight person. Yeah. I'm very lucky to not have gone through it, but just even the idea to me is is really, really upsetting yeah. and... I just can't deal. I can't deal with this line. <laughs> so have a sip of vodka and we'll move on. Yeah. Not to like bulldoze over your bisexual point, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> steamrolling over your sexuality. As a straight person, I'm just steamrolling over your sexuality. Yeah, and moving change the sub. Okay. Harry's moved, uh, Mr. Dudley takes the letter and Harry's moved in Dudley's second bedroom. And I just want to talk about children with second bedrooms. And I also want to talk about the fact that, like, I know the Dursleys are horrible people. Like, they're horrible people. But what person owns a four-bedroom house only needing two of the bedrooms and keeps their nephew under the stairs? Like, how is that benefiting you? Like, shouldn't you have always been in that... Like, yeah, give him the box room if you don't like him. Like, fair... Like, not fair enough, but... (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, your child... Never become a parent, Hannah. I know, like, literally. Give your child that you don't like the box room. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you give your younger child, typically, like, I know as the older sibling, you're the younger sibling, but I know as the older sibling, I always get the bigger bedroom. So I understand, like, Harry getting the smaller bedroom because he's younger and he's also, like, not the first born because he's not their child but don't put him in the cupboard when you have four bedrooms i know it was a bit for me when they're like oh so one was a spare room and one was dudley's second bedroom like you have two going spare here it's it's bad enough if it's three bed but like there was literally a spare bedroom and And, yeah if it was three bed i'd kind of be like okay like fine one was for marge when she comes around it's the fact it's a four bedroom house what is also just made me think of is like, is Dudley a beauty vlogger? <laughs> that he needs a fake bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. I love Maybe that. Like, people like... have a filming room. And speaking of Dudley's second bedroom, do you, as a, as like a story that you read or listened to as a young child, do you imagine the Dursley's house in any particular way or as any house in particular? Because obviously <sighs> when you're a child and you read it, you, you don't like make up a house. You probably... Um, put it into a house that you know really well. So my grandparents lived in a very traditional, um, semi-detached, 
four bedroom house. One of the bedrooms was a box room house. Very traditional, like mm. um, mid 1960s build, semi-detached house. So the Dursley's house is my grandparents' house. That is the layout of it. I, I really hate that I can't picture any of the characters or scenes from the books without uh, thinking of the films. Okay, okay. So for me... Some things are very bulldozed by the films because I did view them at similar times, but the Dursley's house is one that is my yeah. grandparents' house. However, we never see the second bedroom with Dursley's, Dudley's stuff in. No, we only ever see it with just Harry in. And I do have a mental image of that, but it's not one I could describe. Okay. But I do It's mostly the a... downstairs. Not the upstairs is based on the film, which is a bit weird, but the downstairs is my grandparents' house. For me, it's the opposite. Okay. I, the downstairs, for me, we see more often the film. I know, but I think it's yeah. when I was reading, when I was listening to the audiobooks, the way they're describing it was like a traditional semi-detached house in a coldy sack. I was like, my grandparents are like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I had a note saying, I love the childish wit of the first book. So um, the letters keep arriving, the letters keep arriving, and Mr. Dursley is trying to stop the letters arriving in any way he can think of. So he's boarding up all the cracks in the house, <laughs> and there's a line about him trying to knock a bit of wood in with a piece of fruitcake rather than the hammer because he gets confused. And something about that is so simple and so funny yeah. because as a tired person, as a tired adult, I would try to like hammer something with a bit of fruitcake if I was tired. The fruitcake, for me, wouldn't survive long enough to be used as a hammer. I, I don't like it. I don't like fruitcake. To be fair, I don't either. However, like, food is food. If food is food. When you get to an adult and you realise that you have less money than when you were a teenager, you're like, oh, I'll eat anything if it's free. Anything. Anything. Yeah, I just... For me, like, the thing that stuck out to me is it's the bit when all of the letters are arriving. I think no. it's when all of the re letters are arriving, or it might just be when a couple arrive, and both Harry and... Dudley, try and get the letter, and there's a line that, like, Harry straight up leaps on Vernon, yeah, and attempts to strangle him! Yeah. No, he, he does! He does! He does! He's on his back! Yeah, and he, like, straight, like, tries, tries to choke the fucker. And Dudley is, like, beating them both with his stick. But, like, you understand, like, a comedic fight scene, but, like, imagine being, like, ten years old and trying to, like, choke out your abusive, like... It shows you how more cartoonish this verb but, it but is. the more I reread this book, and we'll get onto this in later chapters as well, it's so cartoonish at points. It's, it's not so, realistic. Like, it's not realistic. You would not act. try and strangle the person. I understand, like, you. jumping on their back, but literally trying to strangle them. What was he hoping to achieve? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's so dark. The letters keep coming. They keep coming. And at one point, it says that they're inside some eggs. <laughs> I love it so much. And number one... I don't know how you magic letters inside of eggs, but wow. Number two, these letters are signed by McGonagall. So what I can only assume is McGonagall is like, ah, we can tell Harry hasn't read the letter. So what I shall do is try to get them into the house. Now, how should I do that? I'll put them inside eggs. Is that a bit weird? No. Am I drunk? Well, yes, of course I am. <laughs> some of the children I'm here. McGonagall. I'm McGonagall. I'm I'm Scottish, so I'm drunk all the time and the children aren't Haggis. Haggis. Some whiskey. I'm yeah. gonna put. I honestly like imagine McGonagall like drunk on whiskey, being like, "Yes, I shall put letters inside eggs." And Dumbledore is like, um, "We should maybe send Hagrid to check he's okay." And she's like, "No, this one will work. I'll put letters inside some eggs. It'll be great. Yeah. Harry will find." They make them. him cook the breakfast. It's fine. <laughs> like this is again where it just goes too whimsical and too weird. Like mm -hmm. the letters are inside 
X. I love it. I love I it. Wish I all letters came within X. So then, uh, to get away from the letters, well, I've written to get away from the otters because, for context, I couldn't find my notebook to make notes on this chapter, so I was using my iPad. I hate autocorrect and don't look at it. So it says to leave to get away from the otters. I frequently travel the country trying to get away from otters. <laughs> they follow me. Otters follow me. That should be our catchphrase for this podcast. The otters follow me. Yes. Okay, great. It's the episode title. Hashtag the otters follow me. So to get away from the otters, they go to this random hotel and then they go to the shack on the rocks. Yes. So I have a note about this. Yes. So I really, really love this logic where he's like, well, you know, moving about the country, going to a hotel hasn't shaken the wizards off. But some, for some reason, if I if I cross the water, that will do the job. Let him can't cross water, Charlie. Yeah, no, my note is, much like white walkers, wizards can't swim. <laughs> Unless, of course, they're somehow then swimming to tie uh, chains to a dragon. And then they can water. swim. And, and then, then suddenly can... they can swim. And then suddenly uh, they can swim. Yeah, so according to Vernon, wizards like, can't swim. The thing with Vernon's is, it's over practicality. It's like, oh, these people who put letters in fucking eggs. But do you know what they won't do? Cross they won't deliver the water. On, no, but the first thing is, do you know what they won't do? They won't deliver it on Sunday. Because Sunday is a sacred day. Yes. Sunday is God's day. The, the the Dursleys are in no way religious that I can tell. But Sunday no. is God's day. And they yeah. will not deliver letters on Sunday. When he realises that the holy it's sanctity has been crushed and they will deliver yeah. letters on Sunday, he's like, well, they won't cross the water, will they? Yeah. It's like that level of faith in bureaucracy where yeah. he's... He, to assume that they won't deliver on Sunday is to assume that the post office, that Royal Mail has been putting the letters inside eggs. <laughs> okay, so the chapter ends with someone knocking on the door and Harry is counting down to his birthday. And I just wrote, this is really good suspense for children, just someone knocking on the door. I know it's so simple as adults, mm -hmm. but I remember as a child, I was like, who's knocking on the door? Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. So I, I feel like we have the episode in one chapter. Okay, listeners, please shut up. <laughs> okay, listeners, so we thought we would cover three chapters in this episode, and turns out we only covered one. Partly because halfway through we had to pause because one of us was crying. You can guess which one in your own time. Um, so work it out. Work tweet it us out. if you think you can guess who had the emotional breakdown. At Goblet of Wine, tweet us which one you think had the emotional breakdown. So we're running this podcast as rather than an amount of chapters, whatever takes about 45 minutes. Yeah. So we are choosing to cut it off here. Yeah, so I think we'll we'll aim for like three chapters per episode, but if it gets to 45 minutes, then we're gonna try and cut it down. Yeah, because we had some good chats and there's some chapters coming up which not much happens, so we will kind of aim to whiz through them. Um, but that is kind of the end of this chapter. Yeah, like the moral of the story is we really enjoy the sound of our own voices. So we're not going to censor ourselves for you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. And we will see you in the next episode for hopefully chapters four till six. But who fucking knows with we'll this just, podcast? Yeah, on, yeah. However yes. long it takes us to drunkenly talk about episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting app to listen to new episodes every fortnight. You can also follow us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine to read our terrible social commentary on life. And we'll see you next episode. Bye! Bye.